Welcome back to JB Squared. I'm JB Hager, joined by Johan Bernil, and we're going to take a look at uh, today's stage, stage 12 of the 2023 Tour de France. Really tough day. We're really seeing it take a, a toll on a lot of these riders. And then, of course, Johan has, has dug up some... <laughs> some clips of some funny stuff. It's, a, 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 I mean, what a great tour for the Basque country. So Johan has a surprise for you. We'll get into that in just a minute. All right, Johan, tough, tough day. Let's, before we talk about today's stage winner and some of those things I just teased, uh, let's talk about how tough it was and how the, the, all the carnage and the, the attacks and I mean, in general, yeah, you know, it was it was to be expected, you know, um, it was 168 kilometers, I think, 3,200 meters again of elevation, um, you know, very, very similar stage to uh, to what we've seen on, sta on stage 10. And uh, it did not disappoint, you know, there was attacks from the gun and um, I, uh, you know, that we saw Walt Van Aert extremely active to try to go in breakaways. Following moves, attacking himself, Matthew van der Poel a few times, uh, Matteo Jorgensen, Matteo Mohoric. I mean, if you hear those names, that means that it's like, it's really, really tough. And it actually took half the stage uh, for the, the the big group, the big group of breakaway guys finally to, to get away. It was, uh, we had 85 kilometers to go. Uh, so half stage, basically. Um, and so then uh, it was clear that these strong guys were were gone. Uh, there was no danger for the yellow jersey. And uh, we knew from that moment on that the stage winner would come from that uh, that big breakaway with strong guys. But, you know, to win out of that group was uh, was going to be extremely difficult. We saw um, Mathieu van der Poel uh, making an incredible, uh, I would say, risky attempt you know uh i had rumors i had heard rumors that he was sick that he has a cold um before the stage in his interview he also said that he was coming back from illness but he still was not 100 percent. then when i saw him attacked there i said wow you know you look a lot better but it was <laughs> it was still it was 45 kilometers to go or something and so he um he really tried very hard it looked good but it was too far it was too far, you know, that you're in the Tour de France and uh, the guys behind you are, are super strong. So um, I personally think that today, Mathieu van der Poel, if he would have ridden differently and he would have waited until the last climb, he definitely could have won the stage. Mm. Uh, he, he, did, he did not wait uh, long enough and finally got caught and then eventually also got dropped. But at least he tried. Um, but yeah, I mean, then, uh, we had Matteo, Matteo Jorgensen trying and, uh, Pinot trying the, those were the two strongest riders up to some point. And then finally we had Johnny Zagire, you know, Johnny Zagire is a seasoned professional. He's 33 years old, 34 years old. Uh, I think he's a professional since 2010 already. Um, one stages already before today he had already won stages in all three grand tours double spanish championship uh, double spanish champion uh won the tour of the basque country um one you know he, he the, the guy's a, a really good rider and so when he went um 
that was a moment like nobody could follow. Nobody could follow. And it looked straight away like, okay, this is it. You know, but he still had to manage those 30 kilometers because he went with 30K to go. Uh, I think about two kilometers from the top of the last climb. Um, and so there was definitely a big chase behind him with with this, mainly with Matteo Jorgensen. I think Jorgensen was um, the strongest guy out of this breakaway. Uh, and they, they could the mathematically those six men should have been able to chase him down, but they they couldn't. They just didn't well, have the legs, other than Jorgensen, or what? It's not. It's not just not having the legs. You know, if uh, Jorgensen was pushed in a position that. You know, once he was with those six guys, these other five guys also feel that he's the strongest. Right. And if they help him to bring them back, he, they know that he's going to attack them because Jorgensen needs to finish solo, you know, or in a small group of two or three riders. So um, if you are strong and you're way far enough, you could, I mean, it's not, it's not a guarantee, but you could benefit from the rivalry behind you and you know that no one wants to do anything for the other because they know that they're they're going to be beat anyway. So, um, hats off to Johnny Zagira. You know, uh, he's he won his first Tour de France stage in in 2016, seven years ago, um, in a stage uh, that finished in Morzine, so in the Alps. Probably, I mean, I would have to look back, but probably after a breakaway and. And after doing uh, Jouplan, which is a hard stage, which we will do in the in the last week. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, nice win. What a what a what a change for COVID is, right? They they uh, they started off stage two. They won in uh, in San Sebastian in the Basque Country with Victor Lafay. Um, now they win stage twelve. You know, uh, two stages after fifteen years of not winning. A single stage in in the Tour de France for I mean for a, a sponsor that's in cycling twenty five plus years that's that's quite uh, quite the event you know winning two stages and hey I mean listen uh, it's a team that's on a roll maybe there's something else coming so mm -hmm. but but incredible stage win for for Bilbao uh, for sorry for uh, for Isagire um, I'm, I'm thinking about Bilbao because the tour started in Bilbao he's Basque. Peyo Bilbao already won a stage. Uh, their training buddies, Bilbao and Dionis Aguirre, they had their ex-teammates, both at Astana and at Bahrain. Uh, and uh, and they're even singing and dance partners. <laughs> okay. As this we is, can this... see here in, in the in this little video, JB. Uh, where did you find this? This is this is this went viral a couple of years ago. <laughs> It's 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 uh, the two Izagira brothers. So John, who won today, Gorka, his brother, who's at Movistar, uh, Peyo Bilbao, and um, Joseba Beloki, who's obviously retired. But this is a, a very this is the the Basque national TV channel, and they interpret a very famous Basque song. It's called Paukera Beriak. Uh, which is which translates in Basque, so in in Euskera, which translates to new opportunities. So maybe we should we should have a look or a listen at. Okay, listen. here we go. <laughs> Ausardiaren negoak astindu segan, 
Ay se aclastante en ahora al de tara begira sentitu singurua eta bertan dauden kolorea nire bide gurutzeak diraukera berriak diraukera berriak aukera Okay, you know, even though I have no idea what they're singing, that is going to be stuck in my head all day. <laughs> Not just the audio, the, the visual of that. It's just, you've just ruined my day somehow. <laughs> well, the two guys, the two guys on the right, those are Peyo Bilbao and Johnny Zagire. So I thought, you know, this is a nice occasion. You know, the two of the oh France my started in the Basque country. They started in Bilbao. Both of those guys have won a stage now. Uh, so I, th I thought it was a nice occasion to bring it up. <laughs> 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 now, you know what? I just thought of something. These these guys, the Basque guys, could talk freely and loudly in the Peloton, and no one's going to know what they're discussing. There is no chance. There is no chance, JP. <laughs> Anybody can understand anything. Wow. It has, it has no relation with any... You know, not with French, not with Spanish, not with Italian, not with English, not nothing. It's a completely different language. It's unpronounceable, unwritable. Uh, I mean, it's 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 something else. It's really something else. So just just to reiterate, what a huge tour for the Basque. It's and then it's good for the the, the French fans. This this long running team. Yeah. He's been kind of just quietly sitting there for so mm -hmm. long. Yeah. Uh, that's good. That's good. The French press are happy, right? They must be. I mean, <laughs> they would have preferred it was a Kofidis rider, a French rider. Yeah. But you know what? I mean, listen, they already got their French uh, victory on stage two. Um, I don't know if there's any other. There's no other French rider who won a stage, no, since then. I don't think so. No. <clears throat> um, well, I mean, you know. Philipson won already four, so <laughs> we can, there's not that many stages left. Um, but but yeah, I mean for COVID is uh, it's it's amazing. They are. I saw I saw Cedric Vasseur there after the finish. You know he he must be living a dream right now. You know waiting for such a long time, uh, and now finally it works out. Um, yeah, that's. You know, they've been in there since more than 25 years. But I think that's worth a few years of sponsorship extension extension for him with, with Kofidis. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, let's let's do a little session with Johan here of what are they doing? <laughs> that's what I should call this. What the heck are they doing? Uh, the big story will be Jumbo. I know you want to talk about that, but let's talk about AG2R first. You had a, a moment, those moments when you're scratching your head and... Yes. What's going yeah. on here? You well, know, I mean, the breakaway was gone, right? Obviously, the peloton was in different pieces. Jumbo Visma, what normally would happen, which is what they were doing at some point. You know, they set a tempo. No problem for the breakaway. The, the, the guy who was, was best placed was Thibaut Pinot. He was outside of the top 10. They knew that if the breakaway would get too far, other teams would start to worry about you know their guys being in the top 10 which happened ultimately which we'll talk about in a bit uh so they set a tempo and uh what you do normally is you try to have groups from behind come back you know they had two or three riders in the back uh i think 
it was Sepkus and Dylan von Barla, I think. So they that's what they did. Ultimately, those those groups came back and they had um, you know, they had enough riders around Jonas Vingegaard again to to make sure that he was well protected um for anything that could happen, you know, in terms of a puncture, if he needs drinks, if he needs ice cold water, whatever. Um so that was that was okay. Uh and then all of a sudden I start to see this uh AG2R coming to the front. Uh and and you know I mean during the stage you know I have a quite a, bun- a little a bit of communication with you know some people some some DSs in the tour some others from outside the tour some riders some ex riders uh and and everybody everybody was saying the same thing what is AG2R doing what what's going on you mm-hmm. know and nobody has the answer nobody got the answer um the only thing i found jb was uh an explanation apparently vincent lavenu uh who is the manager but also still um the director uh, one of the directors uh, had said to eurosport he said vincent lavenu confirming to eurosport that they are chasing for a better top 15 GC position. Top 15. I mean, uh, uh, what does that mean? I mean, <laughs> they, I don't think they have anybody in the top 10. I would have to check. Uh, they don't. Um, yeah, so their first rider right now is Felix Gall. He's in 17th position. I don't get it. I really don't get it. Um, I think it was probably to preserve their potential top 15 in the, in, in the next stages. You know I mean? Felix Gall is nine minutes, 46 down. Uh, well, he's only, uh, he's not far from top 15, but what do you do with the top 15, man? I mean, I, I really, I mean, I, he's not going to get top 10. Or, or he top, must. Top, yeah, top ten. We understand. That's something. Yeah. That's something yeah. to to brag about. You never hear anyone say, "Hey, you know, we finished with the top 15. You never hear that. No, no way. <laughs> so, and the thing is, I mean, you know, like Jumbo Visma, they were. They must have been like, "Oh man, this is unbelievable." You know, like getting help. These guys are just, and they were going for a long time, like a really long time. I mean, three climbs. Three full climbs, they did uh, they did the work, and they they maintained that gap uh, of like between three and four minutes because we know was getting into the into the top ten. But and Guillaume Martin actually actually okay yeah Guillaume Martin also so so basically they were riding because Martin and Pinot were getting into the top fifteen and the top ten. Who cares? I mean. <laughs> It's like, you know, if you're, listen, if, if, if that's what you need to do as a team, that's, that's kind of sad. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I think Felix Gall is a top rider, uh, in the mountains. I would much rather have him go full gas for a mountain, uh, stage victory, uh, mm-hmm. which he's capable of doing. Yeah. That'd be a better result to go back to your sponsors with a stage win. And so we mentioned this on the last couple of shows. I think, you know, Jumbo's hoping that these people who, these teams who want a top 10 
are going to come in and do do that support. And you saw it also with Ineos today. Yeah. Ineos, the same thing, the same thing. I mean, it, it made more sense, but still, you know, I mean, if you look, this is Ineos. This is not AG2R or Intermarché or uh, Jayco Alula. This is Ineos, right? Biggest budget in pro cycling, 50 million euros per year. And they are, uh, they started to pull because Pinot started to be a threat for Tom Pitcock's eighth place. Um, probably not so much for Carlos Rodriguez's fourth place. Um, they must have big plans with Pitcock. I mean, I, I think I think they 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 should be optimistic because he's looking good and he's looking stronger. Um, but still, I mean, you know, for for Pitcock, it would obviously be a great thing if he could finish top five, for example. That would be, I think, a really important step into his career. Uh, and I think that's what he wants to accomplish. He wants to see in this Tour de France how far he can get in the future in Grand Tours. But still, I mean, it's Ineos, you know, I mean, it's not like, you know, they absolutely need this. Uh, if and, and on top of that, what I always say, JB, you know, if a guy like Pinot gets into the top 10 through a breakaway, if he wasn't in the top 10 already, it's for a reason. He had lost this time already. Mm-hmm. So it's for a reason. So he's going to lose it again mm. in, the, in the hard mountain <laughs> stages, right? Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, for Jumbo, it was, it was ideal uh, to have AG2R and then Ineos pull. They could sit back. Um, but still, I still have one question mark about uh, Jumbo Visma. And that is, why do they keep, I mean, at the beginning of the, I'm pretty sure that before this stage, they had, you know, marked this stage as one of the stages that would be good for Walt Van Aert. And Walt Van Aert tried a lot, a lot, a lot. And finally, you know, and this often comes down to pure luck. You know, he didn't get in the break. Uh, but he tried very hard. So he spent a lot, a lot, a lot of energy in the first half of this stage. And then finally, they have Tish Benot in the, st- in, in the breakaway but while they're wearing the yellow jersey. Um, in looking at the composition of that breakaway, Tish Benot was not going to win this stage. It was going to be very difficult. So then my question is, why do you let these guys get in there, you know? Uh, it's not going to change anything. Uh, you, especially at some point, at some point, they had two or three guys who were dropped from the from the main group. Um, and then, so if you have two guys dropped and one guy in front, that only leaves you with a with a few guys for for Vingegaard, you know. Uh, plus, Tichbenot has spent also a lot of energy today. First of all, he was you know never skipped a turn, and then at the end. He was chasing or trying to attack or trying to win the stage. So those are the things that with, you know, between the old farts of cycling, we have our WhatsApp, you know, like what Mm -hmm. the hell is these guys doing? You know, it's like, but (laughs) apparently it's, that's just the norm, you know, Uh, it's just the norm. Um, It's, it keeps happening. You know, I, I'd love your thoughts on this. I, I can't help but wonder if Jonas Vingegaard sits there sometimes and, and thinks, what do I have to do to get this team's attention and respect? 
Uh, I know that sounds weird, but it's like they, when he sees these people doing these random efforts, it's like, I'm the defending champion. I'm trying to win this tour. I don't think he thinks like that, JB. You know why I, I don't think he thinks like that? Because that's, he's used to this. You know, Jonas Vingegaard is, came to the sport. He came to Jumbo Visma at the first level. And, and they've been racing like this since he's there. Yeah. I also went and, looked, I went and looked at the roster. And he's the youngest on the team by two years. The whole oh, team. Wow. And I, I feel like they treat him like the baby brother. <laughs> you know? The big brother's still just like, hey, 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 little man, slow down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Just my take on it. I don't know. I think personally, personally, I think that today, and especially now going into the mountain stages, um, Walt Van Aert and and Tish Benoit have spent useless energy today. They're obviously they're super strong, and and maybe it's not needed. But man, I hope I'm wrong. I hope for them I'm wrong. Yeah, there comes a time where they'll say damn, if we wouldn't have spent that much energy um, when we when we had the choice, you know. Today's show is brought to you by Ketone IQ, made by HVMN. On an upcoming show, we're going to talk to Michael, the CEO uh, of HBM, HVMN. I think you'll find it pretty interesting. And, uh, you know, I challenge you to, to uh, do a, a subscription to it. Give it Give it a few months. Um, I can vouch for it personally that I definitely feel more mental clarity, more sharpness, alertness, not bonking during the day. And that's on a shot a day. So there's a couple options for you. You can use these little, um, you know, what I just call the travel pack kind of size. You know, you're going on a trip, throw a bunch of these in your bag. Or in my fridge, uh, I have these large bottles, which is actually 10 shots per bottle. So, you know, try a subscription, give it a few months. I think uh, you'll see some improvement, whether it's physical, mental, uh, you'll, you'll definitely feel something um, uh, I have. And 60% of the Peloton in the tour is using this. This says something uh, uh, all in itself. Available at Sprouts, if you have one of those in your city, you can grab them there. Uh, or you can get 30% off the subscription that I mentioned of Ketone IQ at hvmn.com slash the move. Again, visit hvmn.com slash the move and subscribe uh, checkout for 30% off. Today's show is also brought to you by Ventum. Uh, we've been telling you about the NS1 for some time, their road bike. And then they released the GS1 just a few years ago. And now the all new GS1, which is the bike that I just got. And uh, I can tell you personally that I'm enjoying it out here in Aspen because there's a big trail that connects the towns through the valley and it goes back and forth between paved and, and, and gravel. And, uh, I've ridden it in the past on my road bike and it was doable, but you just feel like you're going to slide out on any corner. So you're slowing it way down. Not anymore. The GS one, you just kind of keep rocking. You don't care what the terrain is. Uh, maybe you have some pathways that are just lumpy, you know, they've aged a bit. Uh, man, it just takes all that out of it, riding a GS1. It's it's just an incredible bike. You can build it out online, which is a fun thing to do. Just go in there, pick the frame. All the frames are the same, top of the line, no matter how you outfit it. And you can outfit it as low as uh, on the GS1 as uh, three th just under $3,000, $29.99 with the SRAM Apex AXS. And then you can build out and spec out everything to your liking. 
Uh, it's a it's a really fun exercise to do, and they offer. And I I kind of compared it to some of the other brands where you can order online. They offer a lot more detail in how you um, build it out, handlebar width, crank length, all those things. Uh, check it out at ventumracing.com, and you can get ten percent off when you use the code we do at checkout. Ten percent off a bike uh, really adds up. We do at checkout at VentumRacing.com slash the move. Another question, Mark. Pogachar sprinting for 12th place. Same thing, JB. Same thing. <laughs> Why? There is no answer. It makes zero sense. When the only thing I can say is that he messed up my head-to-head prediction of outcomes yesterday because I had figured out that he was sitting on Jonas in all the stages and didn't, you know, oh, didn't so bother to pass him. That little, so, you know, it has happened like three times in a row. So I, yesterday, you know, the head to head Jonas Vingegaard versus Pogacar for today's stage. I said, well, you know, Vingegaard comes in before oh. Pogacar. So he messed that one up. That little thank worthless you. sprint. Killed, thank you. today. Okay, I think that wraps up everything from today that we wanted to discuss tomorrow. All right, kids, take a look at this profile. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, This is going to be a tough day and a GC battle. Yeah, so it's 138 kilometers. uh, Short stage, you know, relatively easy lead, uh, lead up towards the last climb, which is the Grand Colombier horse category climb. So... You know, horse category is, is, it needs to be hard, you know, and, and especially having in mind that it's not super high. It's, uh, what is it? It's 1500 meters, I think, uh, altitude. Um, but it's, you know, it's 17 and a half kilometers long, the last climb and 7%, 7.2% average, but with certain parts of 13, 14%. Uh, that's a hard climb, a really hard climb. Um, I definitely expect it to be a GC battle. Um, we saw, I saw an interview of Marijn Zeman, the, the head guy of Jumbo Visma. And he said, this tomorrow, this is a typical stage for Pogacar, uh, which is, you know, explosive with one climb. Um, you could, you know, you could say, yeah, that's true, but you know, Lingard is a good climber too. I mean, he's one of the best climbers in the world. So mm-hmm. they said that they will ride defensively, which means, you know, not trying to do a, a lead out on the climb, like going putting a train and going faster and faster and faster. That hasn't um, that hasn't been working well. Well, you know, no, it has worked. It has worked on on stage five. Uh, didn't work anymore on stage six and beyond. Um, I don't really know if that's the right thing to do either, because you know that, you know, if they wait for Pogacar, uh, once Pogacar goes, it's only going to be Vingegaard with him. And they have no use of their team, Jumbo Visma. So mm-hmm. maybe they can say, okay, Pogacar goes, uh, Vingegaard follows, and then basically it's a day off for our team guys. And, and, you know, they can, they can use that strength the day after when we get really into the Alps, because tomorrow is not the Alps. So we get into the, it's called the Jura, the Jura mountains. It's not the Alps yet. Um, 
but it promises to be an interesting an interesting finish um Pogacar has good memories of this of this climb because in 2020 when he won his first tour de france he won on top of that climb um he was in the white jersey and he beat primos roglic who was in the yellow jersey and on jumbo visma so you know there's some kind of history there already although I remember that particular stage that Jumbo Visma was driving it, driving it, driving it up that climb, and finally Pogacar beat uh, Primos, but but it was in the sprint, so it didn't really matter. Um, but yeah, so you you refer to that often when somebody's won somewhere before. That must have a mental advantage. I think the mental advantage here is that Pogacar won there. Uh, in you know race circumstances in the Tour de France, and uh, I heard that Jonas, um, you know, we he he only did it once in training. Uh, so, you know, do, reconning and training is not the same as racing on it. Now, I don't know if Pogacar, since he has won there in 2020, if he has gone back to recon it again. It's sometimes necessary. Uh, so I don't know if he had enough time to do that, you know, with his injury and then going to altitude. And uh, I don't know what uh, what happened there, but, you know, definitely has good memories. And he knows that it's a climb that's suited well for him. It's a climb. There's a lot of difference in pace. You know, it's like steep, then it flattens out a little bit, then it goes. It's like in stairs and um, and it gets hard towards the top. So. Yeah, I think it could be a Pogacar day tomorrow. It it favors, sounds like it favors him. We do have a soundbite here. Can you tell me where you got this uh, with uh, Vingegaard? Yeah, so we're collaborating this year with uh, with BT. It's uh, a Danish news outlet. And so um, they were kind enough to send me this quote from, from Jonas Vingegaard from today after the stage in which, um, you know, he talks about today's stage. And also a little bit about tomorrow's stage, what uh, what he expects. It was non-stop today. Uh, this tour is absolutely crazy. Is that the feeling that you have? Yeah, I mean, I think every day is just uh, full on, and uh, today was no uh, no exemption. So, uh, so yeah, the race was full on again, and uh, I think from a viewer's uh, perspective, I think it has been a great tour so far. How tough was it on your legs, and what could be the consequences of a stage like today for you? Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, a hard stage in the end and uh, like I think the consequences like everything builds up and uh, the fatigue builds up and uh, yeah we will see yeah in, in the third week how much it builds up tomorrow is a key stage going up to Bangalore first of all do, do, do you know Bangalore yeah I did it uh, I've done it once so uh, I know it is um, it's there's one big climb in the day is that something that you prefer and uh, you're expecting uh, a big battle, of course. Of course. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I'm ready for the battle tomorrow, and uh, I'll just uh, I'll just do my my best tomorrow, and uh, then we'll see what it is. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. So you know, as we can as we can hear, you know, Jonas confirms how hard of a stage it was today. Um, he says that you know the fatigue is adding up, adding up, and that at some point 
during the third week, uh, people will feel it and uh, that he's ready for tomorrow. You know, uh, but what else is he going to say? He's not going to say, yeah, you know, tomorrow's not good for me. I feel <laughs> right. bad. He's going right. to, you know, but, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, the only thing I can, I can sense, you know, I don't know if it's just an impression or if some, just something that I'm building up in my mind, but, you know, the super confidence is, has kind of faded away and th they're talking neutrally, both Marlene Zeman and Jonas Vingegaard, you know, they're talking very conservatively and, and respectful uh, of the, of, you know, the, the rivals. Um, maybe it's just an impression, but there's not, uh, there's not an, an, an overload of, of self-confidence. You know, he just said, okay, you know, I'm ready. I've reconned the stage. So we'll see. I'll, I'll do my best. You know, I'll do my best. It's not, it's not, you know, hmm, don't know. Right. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. I don't know. But. Well, it's, it's such a different era now. I, I'm, I was just thinking in my head, if, if you were a director now, would you try to isolate your writers from the media and social media and what everybody's saying? I don't know if you can. I think that no, you the, can't. they all have their devices all the time and do. Well, you know, I, you, you know, I mean, you can ask Lance and George and, and others. I know I, I did that for a while in the, in the early years of, uh, of postal, you know, that was actually the beginning of, you know, the beginning of the internet, you know, when, uh, I, uh, I didn't allow them to bring their laptops to the tour, which was <laughs> George. Said, ah, how we're going to communicate with our family? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I think I could hold it like for two, three years, and then I had to give in. It was, it was, I couldn't hold it. You know, I couldn't enforce it anymore. Yeah, it. it I mean, it, it's just such a mental game when you start reading things, and and I know some of them listen to this show. And they're hearing, you know, yeah. your praise and criticism. Uh, and by the way, you know, comments on on our show, like I, I've got Teflon for skin, just so you know. <laughs> I've been in, I've been in media for thirty years, and I know Johan's even tougher than me. So, <laughs> so bring it, bring it. We love it. But most are we getting that, are we getting hate hate hate? No, it's it, it's. 99% positive. Okay. 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 There's, good. <laughs> there's always a few JB. Oh, I Listen, know. No, the, uh, and you know, this better than anybody, the vast majority does not comment. Right. Right. And then you have the people who comment and most of them are super positive and supportive. And then there's a few frustrated, unhappy people who are just sitting at home anonymously behind the keyboard and they don't <laughs> know what to do by with their day. And they just, ah, you know, uh, whatever. Um, hey, back to tomorrow. Um, there is a relatively flat run-in for some time before the, these two big climbs. Is that a breakaway opportunity? Are they? Would they let them put enough time in? There's going to be a break. There's going to be a break. Uh, but we all, we also I, know how fast these uh, GC top guys can catch someone. It could look yeah, well, like a big what I could what I could foresee, you know, as a potential scenario is that um, there's a break. Uh, Jumbo Visma will definitely not chase it down because they want to create a situation where the bonus seconds are gone. Um, there's obviously there's bonus seconds at the finish. And um, and maybe UAE wants the opposite. So 
they have two riders, three riders, I think. You know, they have they have the two Scandinavian, they have Björk, they have Langen, and they have Matteo Trentin. With those three riders on the first part, they have enough to keep the breakaway close enough that they're gonna get caught on the last climb. And and then they have four guys left for you know for the last climb. So I, I think I think it's GC day tomorrow. Uh, breakaway will will be will be going. Um, it may also be that Pogacar doesn't really care about the bonuses and that he just wants to, you know, attack and get rid of uh, of Vingegaard. I would personally think that the way I've seen things on the Puy de Dome, Pogacar may want to have a shot at the bonuses. Hmm. And we had, when he attacks, he attacks hard. We just saw it. Yeah. Could yeah. could the tour be decided tomorrow? Hmm. No. No, it's not over. Not, not tomorrow, no. <laughs> not tomorrow. No. It, it it could be that we have a change in Jersey. I would say probably not. Uh, but the tour is not going to be decided tomorrow, though. Okay. By the way, I said I said the other on a podcast, another podcast, that the tour will be decided in the next three stages. There's one stage I forgot, uh, which uh, which was the stage to Morzin is the day after the time trial with Col de la Loz, which is the hardest climb of the whole tour. So I'm going to have to correct that. And mm. it's, you know, it could be decided, but not necessarily. Okay. All right. Well, let's jump into our Ventum Tour trivia, a brand new NS1. The road bike is up for grabs. You just get to participate every day. And every day, they, from all the correct answers, they draw one winner. And on the last day, we'll pick one of those. And you'll pick up a brand new Ventum NS1. Yesterday's question, just for fun, the uh, tallest person ever to race in the Tour was Marcel Seberg at six foot six. Hmm. Which I didn't do the translation on. Uh, well, I would have, I would have, I would have, I would have thought, I would have thought Eros Poli. Yeah, he's Eros, six five. Eros, that name, yeah, that name came up on the move. He's six Eros five. Poli is, yeah, yeah. And just to give you a, a scope of things, George is six three, and he would tower above everybody. Uh, yeah, if you remember yeah, yeah. today's question. No, you know what I mean, JB? Like, like, you know, being that tall to be a cyclist. Ooh. That's a huge disadvantage. Yeah, yeah. Your no, face you, is in the wind a lot. Well, Thanks. yeah, and and yes, that's for one. I mean, obviously, you know, usually these guys have big power. Some of them are really good time trialists because you know, but still, uh, being so tall. I mean, the center of gravity mm -hmm. is you know, your you, downhills are a nightmare. Do they you use know? longer cranks typically? <laughs> That's also something, JB, that you, you, before that, yes. The answer that I know is yes. Yeah. Nowadays, it, it, they've changed. Now, now apparently, shorter cranks are better for aerodynamics, I have, I have been mm. told. Makes not much sense to me because, uh, you know, the longer lever you have and the longer legs, the longer femur you have. Right. You would right. think that you can generate more power with a long femur and a long crank. For example, Miguel Inderain was riding 180 ranks mm. all the time. Now I've heard that in certain time trials, rider, some some cyclists are riding with 165 ranks, which was typically 
the, the length of a crank for uh, velodrome races. Uh, today's question is, who is this year's, not, not of all time, this, this tour, uh, oldest rider? I don't know if you know that off the top of your head. And that's going to take some research. You're going to have to pull up every uh, roster and, and look up their ages. Is that today or at the start of the tour? Oh, that's a, hmm, hmm. I know where you're going with this with calf, right? <laughs> that's a, I guess I should make the decision here. It's in it because it, it doesn't specify. Ooh. Let's say that's still in the tour. For at today. the start of the, I, I think at the start, it should say at the start of the tour. Should we do that? You think it should be that? Yeah. I'll let you, I'll, you're the deciding, but Okay. From the start, the rosters from the start, who is the oldest rider in this year's tour? We'll go with that. And you kind of gave away the answer, I think. No, not yet. I mean, <laughs> send your answer to uh, trivia at ventumracing.com. All right. Good luck. A couple of questions, real quick, since we have time. Uh, after seeing stage 11 and the rain, my question is what happens to the race? If there's a thunderstorm with lightning, hail, et cetera, do they pause the race? Do they ride on? I feel like most tour stages, you, you don't really see that much of bad weather. Although we've seen some snowstorms, haven't mm -hmm. we? Yeah. Uh, maybe not the, the tour de France, but didn't Giro for sure. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, why, why is that? That's from Sam and, uh, Ellicott City, Maryland. Mm -hmm. I've never seen, uh, you know, hail and and thunderstorms, and I've never seen a stage neutralized because of that. I mean, obviously, um, not in the Tour de France, at least. Usually, it's it's because of the cold. Uh, hail could be, you know, I mean, well, actually, you know what? I've seen a stage. <laughs> That's a really funny story about this. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if we want to go, but, but anyway, there was a stage in the Tour of Switzerland, and uh, that got neutralized by hail. Uh, I was not there actually, but uh, Dirk de Mol was there, and uh, he told me the story. We had a rider in the in a break, and so the break had just gone, and there was four riders or five riders, and one of our riders was in there, um, and uh, all of a sudden starts to hail, you know, like really really bad so they neutralized the stage because riders were looking for shelter everywhere mm. and so dirk knew that that break was gone and that you know he he needed to, to talk with the rider so he was on the radio talking with that trying to get in touch with the rider because obviously they also went for shelter he didn't know where he was and so finally uh you know after trying hey you know can you hear can you hear me can you hear me Finally, the guy after like, but after like five minutes, he got on the radio. He said, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. And so it turned out that these four guys, they had, you know, gone off the road, went onto a parking lot and they went into a big doghouse <laughs> to find shelter. And the guy was underneath and there was three guys on top of him and he couldn't reach his radio. Oh. For the microphone, <laughs> so he was hearing in his ear. Hey, where are you? And he couldn't. He, he couldn't answer. Uh, uh, that stage got neutralized, and then they started again. So, well, even uh, in 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 recent uh, history, the 
the tour with when Bernal won, weather was yeah. a factor. That, that it, caused was a mud, it caused the mudslide, mud blocked the road, and yeah. ended it, which was yeah. Wild. But like normally for heavy rain and and yeah, it needs to be really really bad. Um, I mean personally, I've I've never never experienced as a cyclist uh, anything of that. For snow, yes, but that's more like in the beginning of the season or yeah, you know, you get through a part where there's you know like ice on the road <laughs> because the sun couldn't get uh you know after like uh, on on a mountain or something but um and we did see too uh sam the is when we tried to cover tour of colorado uh the 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 storms did not affect the race but it affected the coverage we had <laughs> we had mm. nothing to look at until they mm. got into the, into town for the finale um or if it was a mountaintop fence, we didn't even see it. It was a really difficult race to cover because of the the weather, the planes that that uh, pick up all the motorbikes and camera feeds was no go. Hmm. Uh, one more quick question here. After watching Philipson win his fourth, I'm wondering if there's a psychological effect that happens to the other sprinters after losing four times in a row. I know personally, I do not like losing repeatedly to the same rider, whether it be on a group ride or in a race. It's hard not to accept the defeat before it happens after losing to the same person repeatedly. Ryan, what's that yeah. like for these runners? No, for sure. For sure. It, it has a psychological effect. I mean, especially in those, you know, straight sprint, uh, sprint stages where you could say, okay, this is going to be a, for sure a sprint. And especially now that he has won without his top lead out guy, it's even worse. Mm-hmm. You know, before they could say, yeah, you know, what, what are we going to do? You know, he has the best lead out guy in the yeah. world. You know, They could say, if I had Vanderpool, I would have won. Yeah. Right. That doesn't work anymore now because he won without him. So now nah, it must not be, uh, not, it must not be easy for the other sprints. Well, first of all, we saw today. Uh, Fabio Jakobsen didn't start the stage. He went home because he felt like he could not recover and get back up to the level he needs to be after his crash early on. Um, I think that was to be expected. And, uh, and yeah, we saw Caleb Ewan getting dropped uh, once again, uh, the first rider in the race. And uh, if I look at the results, um, both him and his teammate, poor poor Jasper de Beust, who uh, was on a mission to stay with him, they, they, he got dropped straight away, Ewan. Uh, and they finished 37 minutes down, just the two of them. They finished 10 minutes behind the last group. So that means that they did the whole stage by themselves. I mean, that is... That's not look. That's not good. Looking good. <laughs> that's not yeah. looking good at all. It's tougher on these sprinters now. The way they, um, the first week of the tour is designed. It's not like the old days where it was a sprinter show for ten days. Yeah. Um. They they've got to get over these brutal climbs. That must have been a nightmare for those. I mean, imagine they did the whole stage, one hundred and sixty-eight kilometers by themselves. I mean, Ugh. what are you gonna? I mean. And most of most of the time, it's probably the boys who was pulling, dragging, dragging Caleb Ewan, who, who, you know, maybe, but more and more unlikely, is gonna win a stage. That's a hard job. That's a really hard job for, for a teammate. 
Well, uh, yeah. well, we'll wrap it up on that note. Uh, th- thank you for rounding up the sound bites and that video that's still stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Play yeah, that over I, and over. I had, I have it also. I have the the, the melody in my head. <laughs> Don't know What's what they're saying, again? but I can. What hear is it, it. again? Aukera <laughs> beriak. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> new opportunities. There's always new opportunities, JB. So I'll play it one no. more time for our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks. Thanks, Johan. Astutakoatea kasaltzen asten dira Euren bilagoa zenean Hausardiaren negoak astin duzegan Aizeak lastantzen dago orain Aldetara begira sentitu zingurua Eta bertan dauden kolorea Nire bide gurutzeak Diraukera berriak Diraukera berriak Aukera berriak